This is a Kirkendall Barrett presentation, darling. <laughs> Dad is dead. There is a dog. You bought strawberries. <laughs> Who do you think you are? You buy homemade bread? What are you, QAnon? <laughs> what makes him happy? Uh, not being in this movie? Not being in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> a lifetime of Hallmark. Bonjour! Bienvenue à A Lifetime of Hallmark, where we talk about your favorite movies on Lifetime and the Hallmark Channel and try to make sense of them. Je suis Les Kirkendall Barrett. Bonsoir, Jason. Oui, oui. <laughs> Hello, Les Kirkendall Barrett. Uh, bonsoir, Kurt. Bonjour, Les Kirkendall Barrett, and bonjour, Jason Bowers. And that's all the French I know. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to tell everyone why you're speaking French right now? Oh, I am speaking French because I'm currently in Brussels, Belgium. My family is here. My husband is the best man at a wedding tomorrow. It's his best friend from college. So we are here in Brussels. And for me, it is three in the morning. It's, it's six there in California, right? Oh 6 p.m., yeah. See, Nine o'clock here in New Jersey. Yeah. See, that's how dedicated I am. <laughs> I got the most happening hour. Hey, I spent time in Brussels and I saw your pictures. I was like, oh, I've been to those places. But but, but Brussels, they speak like th three different languages. It's not they just speak French, French, French yeah. and Dutch. And what's the other one? I know they speak Dutch too. <sighs> Maybe it's English. They, they speak a, we should look it up. But I remember it was a combination. It wasn't. It wasn't just French. And Kurt, I thought about you because I have had some of the best desserts here and some of the best chocolate here I've ever had. Yeah, people get excited about that. I think I just need some chocolate samples. Mm -hmm. I was I was very uh, frugal during my European uh, trip of, of uh, 2019. So I didn't eat a lot of uh, expensive sweets. Well, I get it. I get, I get it because it ain't cheap. And yeah, but you know, since it's the holidays, they have like these things, like these big Christmas markets where it's basically like an outdoor block party with all of, all of like desserts and, and food and gifts and hot wine. I don't drink, but everybody drinks hot wine. I drink hot apple mm -hmm. juice. That's the kind of thing they always depict in Hallmark movies. And I don't really see for real in the, the United States. Are those oh, sort Christmas of Christmas market? Christmas markets? Yeah. Well, they're there, and people here take their Christmas very seriously. Yeah. I must say. Okay, I hear I have the languages worked out here. So in Brussels, thirty percent French. Looks like we got twenty three percent French and other language. Seventeen percent Dutch and French. Five percent Dutch. Seventeen percent neither Dutch nor French. There are a lot of English speakers here. Most like a lot. Yeah, I would imagine that's a second language for pretty much everyone there. Right. And I tell you what, I have a new love of French guys and Belgian guys. They are smoking hot. And by smoking, you mean they're always smoking. That too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. You know... Oh. What? Uh, oh, you know, when I went to Brussels, I got bed bugs. So if you see any bed bugs, say hello. I will. <laughs> Do you think they oh, listen? They What's that? Do you think they uh, listen to the podcast? 
Right? I think Kurt misses you. There's certainly fans of mine. I just picture the bed bugs. Oh, go ahead. I stayed in the hostel with like, it was like three other people sleeping in the room. I was the only one who the bed bugs sucked on. Oh. Because that dessert you eat. I guess. Oh, maybe. They're fans of your Black China news. Yeah, what is your Black China news? Do you want to ask the question, Les? Oh, oh, oh. Do you have any Black China news? Doing a piece of China. 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 I'm talking China. The Black China Report. Here's Kurt Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I have some. This is from E! Entertainment. Uh, Why the Kardashian-Jenners are trying to prevent Black China's latest legal request. So here we go. Um, Rob Kardashian's legal battle with Black China continues to be a family affair as a February 2022 trial looms of Rob's assault and battery allegations against his former fiance. The mother of his young daughter, Dream Kardashian, has subpoenaed other members of the Kardashian-Jenner family to sit for further depositions as part of her defense strategy. But attorneys for Kris Jenner, Kim Kardashian, Khloe Kardashian, and Kylie Jenner filed court papers on December 14th asking a Los Angeles judge to quash, not squash, but quash. Is that spelled with a K? It's with a Q. This is is the real news. There's a word called quash. So to quash Quash. subpoenas requested by China, whose real name is Angela White, the subpoenas must be quashed because they present an unwarranted annoyance, embarrassment, oppression, and undue burden – on the non-parties who have already been examined exhaustively by Miss White in the related matter, the Kardashian-Jenner attorneys argued in court documents attained by E! News. I'm kind of bored by the story. Anybody yeah. else interested in this? This isn't, like, it, it's not scandalous jargon. enough. What is this? It's just, it's, it should be more Jesus scandalous. Listeners. Yeah. yeah. Like, we don't know what, we don't know what she's wearing. I'm pulling the plug on this. Sorry they about didn't this, mention They didn't mention the phone cord incident, <laughs> which all well, of the articles mention that. This is the latest news, though. This is like the latest Black China. News. Yeah, but it's this is the end of like stuff. the end of the year. There's a lot of of legalese and things getting thrown out in the world because there's no real news to report. Right now, I do like the fact, though. I do like the fact, though, that actually it sounds like Black China is is gaining traction on this court case. And okay. It's, Oh, oh, I, I, no, no, I got, I'm sorry, Les, would you, you can, uh, no, you know, no, no, I just found some more information. Okay. This was on, this is on an NBC website. This is a little bit more of the same story. It oh, says, sworn, <laughs> yes, yes. It says in a sworn uh, declaration, uh, regarding China's alleged assault on Rob Kardashian, he said that when his ex fiance is drunk and high, she is very strong. In addition to threatening him with his own gun, China tried to choke him, Kardashian says. While I was in the living room, China came up behind me with an iPhone charger and wrapped it around my neck tightly and started choking me with the charger, Kardashian said. At one point, as China was choking me with the charger wrapped very tightly around my neck, I was fortunate enough to pull the cable off my neck. I went to the master bedroom, which is considered politically incorrect these days, by the way. I went to the master bedroom to get away from her and lock the door. So this okay. is part of the part of the, part of the deposition. It's part of the legal information that we're, we're now. Am I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've ever heard of a gun being involved in this before. It's like no. I've been saying for the past few months. Every time we hear this story, it gets slightly more violent than the last time. Because I was like a gun. I was like, I was like, uh, yeah, 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 Jason, you're right. I was like a gun. I've never heard. Of, I've never heard about a gun. Yeah, ne- next time we hear about mentioned. this story, the, the gu- it's going to be a bigger gun. It's going to be like a like an assault rifle or something. And then the next time it's going to be like there's hand grenades too. 
And that brings in a that brings in a whole other level of discussion too, because it's like, okay, so you have a little kid and you have a gun like lying around your house. You know, a lot of people have be locked a away. A lot of people are in that situation, unfortunately. No, a lot of people do, but you're supposed yeah. to have your guns like locked away. Well, I, I yeah. you know, and this this is a totally different conversation. I think we wanted to have, but I think that's the problem is people are supposed to lock it away, but don't or it's not as secure as they think it is hence unexpected problems right well you know what that now that i don't know if it's i don't know if if it's the the hour of the day or what but after, after hearing a gun i want this i want them to do a lifetime movie of this whole of the robin china thing oh yeah they actually should because this is the more serious because the more we yeah. hear, this is sounding like it's right up Lifetime's alley. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Let's write the script. Let's, let's do it. We, we, know, we know the tropes that Lifetime <laughs> loves. We know Black right. China's news. I, I feel like if anyone is bit more equipped to uh, write this story than us, I don't know who they are. And, and, and she could, she could star right, as herself. All right, Black, Black China. We're all in. All right, we're gonna I write it. A no, I wrote a mo- I wrote a note, but I often write these notes. Usually, my note is contact Tracy Nelson. I like I write that every time, and I think I did. Tracy Nelson to do it one time. Tracy she Nelson could be, be in the movie. Well, she's she like really good. She could either be like a lawyer or she could be Black Lance Thomas. I don't know if if Black China's lawyer is is male or female, but. I wonder if did you hear that story last so many times? Did you hear that story last week about how uh, Kim passed what's known as the baby bar exam? Yes. So she's like a step closer to uh, you know becoming a lawyer. I wonder if she's consulting on her family's legal team. And you know that she's working with Van Jones, right? Like Van Jones is helping her out. He's a troll. From CNN. What's the baby bar exam? I thought that was a joke. No, it's uh, as I understood it, and I don't know a whole lot about this, but as I understand it, there's a big exam that you take if you're a first year law student, and it's an exam that's, you know, seemingly almost as hard as the regular bar exam. Is she a first year law student? Yeah. Well, she had been going to law school for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Like part time. She was doing it part time. So I guess maybe now that the show's over, she's doing it. She's mm-hmm, doing sure. it more. And, and but th- think about this movie, you guys. So like, so if so like if if Black China's lawyer isn't female, then Tracy Nelson could be the judge. She is. I just looked up the lawyer. Oh, the we Tracy mentioned. Le- we mentioned the lawyer many times. Tracy the, the lawyer. Lynn, yeah, I'm sorry. The, 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 lawyer's, the lawyer's name is Lynn Lynn Chiani. She's got mentioned many times on the show. And of course, you know what we do? We call it the wrong Kardashian, and then that way Vivica A. Fox could be oh, with us too. Yeah, she could be the judge. Yeah, yeah. So Vivica's the judge because when she does the gavel, yeah. she'll be like, "You mess with the wrong Kardashian." Yeah, <laughs> she's not using the gavel to to like beat on the on the bench. She's using it to <laughs> knock somebody out at the end of the movie after a tussle. And then, like, she'll have like one of her serious swings. Oh yeah. Um. See? We'll have Kardashian. We'll have like there'll be like flashbacks, and the guy, you know, the, the original uh, 
Kardashian. It'll be Eric Roberts. As oh, Rob God. Kardashian, black, oh, or, or, or as Robert Kardashian as the dad, the dad, yeah, Eric Roberts will be playing him in flashback. Wow. It'll be like in this this Hallmark movie, like where whatever it was Hallmark, right? Where Kevin Neal's Uncle Frank, like Eric Roberts, will be Robert Kardashian and like flashback. Our friend, our friend Meredith Thomas, kid. There's a part in here for Meredith. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, we we don't want to give away all our secrets though. We need to all actually right, go write right, this right. thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because some people, yeah. The people are what? Well, some people will be be, be more more proactive. They'll start calling Murder Thomas, say, hey, "Look, here's the story," you know, and right. they'll start putting right. this together before us. Right, right. I'm, I'm registering hey. with WGA right now. Do it. Yeah, who's going to direct? Oh. I was thinking Savage Steve Holland, who directed Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer. Oh. Then he became a TV director, so he could he could direct it. We we'll have to. That's something we'll discuss. Yeah, we'll we'll yeah. we'll get into that okay. because yeah. you know I'm sure there are some former Lifetime stars that direct, or some former Hallmark stars that that may possibly direct. We should keep it in the family. Yeah, I like that plan. Yes, yes. You know, keep it higher from within. Higher <laughs> that. Um. Let's hire Regina King. There you go. I like her. Meghan Markle. She could direct. She directed. Mm-hmm. She directed a, a, a Regina King directed a very good movie. What's it called? It was the one with like one night, Max. One and, night in Miami. Yeah, yeah. And then, good. and then, if she Regina King is directing this, we have to have Jack Hay. Jack Hay could be Tokyo Tony. Why can't Jack Hay direct this? Oh. True. She can direct if, if and star Sophia Tony. Like if we're talking about like let's get somebody from this world that uh, uh, we want to promote from within. I feel like Jack A is the the obvious choice to direct. Right, right, and then Jackie and as Tony action. Ooh, that's a wrap. <laughs> We're not skipping on the craft services either. On this oh, one. that's gonna be a good no, no, no. craft service table. Yeah, that's where most. That's of most of our budget. Yeah, yeah. Most of the budget's gonna go towards that. Yeah, because I'm hungry. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> We're not terribly concerned about how the movie anyway. <laughs> the movie turns out. We just want uh, to be fed really well on set. Yeah, right. We just go and eat every day. You got to eat if the movie's bad or good. So look, but you know, we eat well. That's what's important. And I know about YouTube, but whenever I'm in a situation with craft services, I eat a lot of M and M's. Yeah, there's always yeah, a bowl always of M and M's. I have to say, I always went back when I was doing extra work years ago. You could always tell uh, what kind of budget a show had based on catering for lunch. If, yes. if you if you were like on That's location true. for a shoot and they actually catered lunch, uh, I worked on like uh, an Aaron Spelling show and they had the best food. I worked on Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman. We literally had lobster for lunch. Oh, oh no, I know. I agree. Lobster. I was a I was a stand in. I was a stand in in a movie and they like had like silverware and like glass plates and stuff yeah. no yeah. That, you're totally right jason and then you do like oh, an indie movie and it's like half a slice of pizza right well i worked like, on um hbo movies uh, hbo shows oh man boardwalk empire oh it was lush 
they had these cakes and oh, it was fantastic. Then I'd work on any like CW show and it would be like nothing. Oh, I worked on that Sex in the City prequel. I think it was the mm-hmm. Carrie Diaries. Diaries. Carrie Diaries. Yeah, oh, I watched that. Sometimes it was because the show wasn't going that way. <laughs> so they couldn't really afford a lot of stuff. So, well, so, and CW I, shows don't have the budgets that, that a CBS yeah. show has, even though it's like, the same owners. But see, I would think for the CW show, since everybody's so fit on that channel, that they would have like healthy stuff. So they don't. I don't know the money. Early Netflix, like I worked on them. Um, Orange is the New Black, like before it even before it even aired. I don't think they had anything. Like well, they brought in like a box of donuts. See, you know what though? I bet that's one of those shows that like you got it during the pilot or like in the beginning mm-hmm. stages. I in bet the like there was like a come up during the years when they started getting nominated for mm-hmm. awards. Yeah. So I bet if you went back towards the end, it would be a much better food loving experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's funny because even as an extra, you can kind of see if a show is going to last because you can see that they're, that they're they're going over budget. You can see that the crew isn't working as well as like a lot of other crews and so some of these shows. I remember working on a show called, I think it was called Cupid. Mm-hmm. It was on for like a year. Oh, not yeah. with, um, I not watched with, that show. It was with uh, Bobby Cannavale. Cannavale. Yeah. Yeah. So the show was always going over. It was always over schedule. Like the, the the Friday shoot was always, it was always always overnight because they just fell so far behind. That was a a premise and show that, that uh, was greenlit and failed twice because it was on ABC and it lasted like a few episodes um, and I want to forget who the original cast members were. It was with the, the guy, what's that guy's name? Jeremy Piven? Jeremy Piven, yeah. Jeremy yeah. Piven? And then the and then they a few years later, the creator had like gone on to do like Veronica Mars and some other stuff, so it like had a little bit more um clout. So he's like, I right. didn't get that show right before I want to do it again. So then they did it again with uh Bobby oh. kind of all and um oh who's the woman that's in all the, the Ryan Murphy stuff? Um Oh um who does she, know, does she normally play like an ingenue or does she normally play like a She's like the character? star of every Ryan Murphy show, the, the main star. Oh, Emma Roberts? No. Kathy uh, Bates. No, the blonde woman. So she, she played Marsha Clark. Oh, Sarah Paulson. Oh. Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson was in care. one of the two versions of that show. Oh, uh, uh-huh. maybe I saw her because I used to work on that show quite. I used to work on the show on Friday nights when they were shooting like all night long. Mm-hmm. All night long. Well, all right. Can't keep going over budget. All right, here we go. I feel like we should talk about this movie, even though we kind of already talked about this movie. Sister Swap. Okay. Christmas in the city. Should we give the context of the yeah? If you didn't listen to last week's episode, we did Sister Swap, uh, a hometown holiday. Was that the name of it? Yes. Sister Swap, a hometown holiday. And in that movie, they had these two sisters, and we were seeing the storyline pretty much from one of the sisters' vantage point. Now, we're seeing the same fucking story, but from the other sister's vantage point. So, I don't know how you felt about it, but like pretty much every beat of this movie, with the exception of one detail, was already covered in the first movie. But, but I do like the fact that as I was watching it, I remember like several times going, oh, that's why that happened. And, or, and it was, it was basically kind of a, 
uh, you're getting the reason why all of this yeah. stuff happened. And it was basically like filling in, filling in the holes. I See, I didn't feel there were any plot holes uh, for which I was really had a, a question mark hanging over my head. I lost sleep last week over the opaque gaps and I felt this movie <laughs> filled them for me and now I can sleep well tonight. No, I really did. I got to tell you though, I actually yes. really enjoyed it and I I wouldn't mind them doing other movies like this. Maybe better oh, written. That, well, that, I, liked, my, I actually yeah, liked the concept. I liked the concept. I just felt like they... If, if you're going to show one romance for the one sister, and then you're going to show the other romance for the other sister, the second sister's story and and, and her partner's story is sort of getting the, the short end of the stick because... All, all the beats of, of their romance are already kind of given away in the first movie. Well, I got to tell you, though, I thought part two was a lot more fun than part one. Yeah. I think the concept is unnecessary. I love part two, though, because part two is like, we're in the city, so we have black people, we have gay people. <laughs> we have some city. <laughs> you're in, if you're in Salt Lake City, it might as well be in we have, we have the thriving, diverse metropolis of Salt Lake City. When I think right, yeah. when I think Salt Lake City, I think it's super diverse there. Right. Salt Lake City is just a safe version of Newark. <laughs> oh, I hope they're not listening. Like, Newark's I, fine. I, Salt Lake City is great. And... <laughs> I should say that. I have as much time as Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it was... It did get kind of redundant in parts, but on the whole, I liked it just because I was like, I was getting explanations of, oh, well, that's why that person quit. And they had a good reason to quit. Like, you know what I mean? I guess it made a little more sense. Why? Because we were wondering why they just walked up to somebody who, walked, uh, who was, you know, working in a food cart. And asked right. Them, yeah. So there's a little more of an explanation of that. Right. Well, I, and, and, and I will say, I knew from the first movie that we, some of those things were going to be filled in by the second movie, but there, none of them were important enough details for me to really actually care if I ever found out why. So the next time they do this, it really does need to be twins. Yeah. But who are they going to find? Um, uh, 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 Candace Cameron Bray. Oh, the, the Maori sisters. You Tia abs- and Tamara. Yeah, you do the Maori sisters. Tia Tamara could be the yeah. mom. Tia Tamara. Family ties? No, 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 no. not Mallory. Maori. Sister is sister. Jack A's daughter. You know who they are, Kurt. Oh, I do. You know who they are. Because they're both like Lifetime and Hallmark we've, ladies. Yeah, we've done movies with them in it. Movies. Yeah. They do separate movies, but yeah. you know who they are. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, we could we could do that. We could get and we could get uh, Jack Hay and Tim Reed because I think one of the Hallmark movies did that before. Yeah, I where think they had so too. them and Tim Reed and Jack Hay played their parents. Yeah, because Kurt, they were the parent, their parents and sister sisters. Was Tim Reed and Barney Miller years ago? No, no, that's he was in WKRP. Yeah. Okay, WKRP. You're yeah. thinking of Ron Glass. Ron Glass, yeah. 
who who I used to see at the Abbey all the time, who is no longer with us. Oh, really? Hmm. It's funny. Yes. You know, well, it's funny. You say that, and I was like, huh. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I see it. And he would wear these, like, like you know, okay, so, so Jason, do you know how sometimes, like, there, there are, are gay men of a certain... Are this? Are we outing him? Or what's... No, he was, he was out. Okay. Okay. He, he was out. I, I, I don't know that he was out or not, but he was at the Abbey. Okay, and, he's, and, he's, and he's no longer with us, so it's not like if, you yeah. know, he's... But, but, so Jason, have you ever seen those older gay men that kind of wear the Andre Leon tally sort of a moo-moo sort of a thing? Moo-moo sort of thing. Like, it's like, it's like a shirt, but it's longer, very flowy, kind of moo-moo-ish. Oh, yeah, like sort of a baggy, flowy shirt, for sure. But 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 really baggy, and it's like a man. Of, and I don't think he was overweight, but the shirts were like baggy and long, 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 long. Yeah. Like they could be mistaken for like. Yeah. yeah. So he he would wear those all the time, and he was always at the Abbey. Okay. So eating, I was a little eating cake. That's me or eating cake. Yeah. No. Well, I'm gonna I, go to the Abbey when I'm there because I want to eat some of the cake. Come on out. Kurt, we're going to take you to the Abbey, and I'm going to watch you, like, eat cake and 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 observe all of the judgment. We're going to live stream it. <laughs> I got nothing to lose. Um, all right, let's get into this movie. The game. Okay. Yeah. So we, see, so we see Meg, right? We see right. Meg, who's the sister, and she's walking down the street, and she's very happy. And then she walks into the restaurant and she talks to her mother charlene from another world and the um, restaurant that her family owns we should be like give a little more context oh, for right. those that didn't watch or the other movie or listen to the other podcast Shame and you know what that is gonna that is one of the things that's gonna be hard just because at this point we are so familiar with the movie that it's like that's right so yeah we do need to explain yeah <laughs> so, god bless us we're so familiar with that other movie so Charlene, so so when when Meg walks in, Charlene's like, "Aren't you going to France?" Because Meg in the last movie had talked about how she was going to France, but um, she was supposed to go with her uncle Kevin Nealon, but the uncle died. I see dead people, and and we see him a lot so in he, flashback throughout both these movies. Kevin yeah, Nealon has more of a flashback in this. Though. Yeah, it's more of a role. Yeah. He actually has dialogue in this movie. Didn't right. in the other one really. I find that Meg is um, really flighty. Like she's very uh, spacey, trying to figure things out. That's a. It could be a little hard. Now, here's the thing: I didn't realize that she was the younger sister. Oh yeah, she I thought is. she was the older one. Uh, really. I did. I think she looks younger. I mean, I just did the math of knowing, you know, Kimberly Williams is the older sister in, uh, yeah. in, in you know, her character in the movie. It and just knowing that she was the bride and father of the bride, and that was you know thirty years ago. Kind of did the math that like she's got to be in her fifties. I think there's a considerable age difference too. I think it's, it's like eight or nine years. Something. Yeah, no, because even because there's one part they showed a flashback in the theater of them as little girls. And one of the girls was like considerably older than the other. For sure. Um, oh, so then 
you know, Meg talks about how, you know, she's not sure about France. Well, or she, well, she says she's going, but she she's not sure how good she feels about it because she normally went with Uncle Dave. And since Uncle Dave isn't around any longer, she's going to go by herself. So then Charlene from another world tells Meg that she wants to sell the theater. Mm. So Meg goes into the theater and she's going through, the, she's looking and she all of a sudden has a flashback of her and her sister learning a dance routine and Kevin Nealon's directing them. Yeah. Some of these kids, um, uh, <laughs> what are you trying to say, Kurt? Well, might need a little, if I'm reading your body language correctly, <laughs> I think this is what you're trying to say. That's not possible. This trail's been closed for eight years. It's extremely dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, parents of the kids, but there's, there's, still, there's still time. Look, Sophia well, Coppola They're going to you know. start learning at some point. They're very young. Like, right. you know, maybe. They're learning now. Yeah. Well, do you think that these kids were maybe friends of somebody? No, I don't. I don't know. I maybe. think that may have been. I mean, I it could legitimately happened. be daughters just, of one or two it, of the sisters in real life. They could be. They could I be. think it might. That might be true. I think. I, I. In all fairness, I think it's probably hard to find. Is it that hard to find kids who can act? Though we, we, there's a lot of kids. No, we live in L.A. Well, I mean, in fairness to these children, <laughs> even though this is funny to talk about, in fairness to these children, go back and watch yes. Father of the Bride or Home Alone and watch Kieran Culkin in that as like a six-year-old kid and compare it to Kieran Culkin on Succession now. You know, they've got time to grow. Yeah, and like I said, young Sophia Coppola didn't didn't you know she it was it was problematic no not problematic but people were not happy with her performance in The Godfather Part Three. Granted, these kids are younger. I don't know. I'm just trying to be tactful. I guess if I really wanted to be tactful, I wouldn't have brought it up <laughs> at all. But you know, look, kids, this 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 won't be their finest moment of acting if they continue acting. It's okay. They, they can they can go take some classes and soon they can do this. That's not possible. Right. This trail's been closed for eight years. It's extremely dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> that. Now, yeah. here's the deal, though. In the case of the park ranger, <laughs> do you have to try to be that bad? No. It's not possible. No, some people just... <laughs> Aren't natural delivering dialogue. Well, have you ever worked? Have you ever actually worked with like a real, like a true non-actor? Like, have you ever done like a project oh, yeah. and, they, and yeah, they put absolutely. you with something, and then you're like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, because uh, they're terrified. Like a skill. <laughs> yeah, they're terrified, and, and you know, and I, I, yeah. I, I see, you know, sort of a, an analogous kind of thing having worked in radio you put certain people on a mic and they're very comfortable talking and other people are they feel like they have to read and they have to sound a certain radio voice way and they put on airs and it's like yeah, just speak yeah yeah no it does is that why a director's there though yeah but Ooh. a director can only do so much 
Yeah, there are uh, there are instances of directors working with non-actors and getting great. There's a Clint Eastwood movie, right? Like a recent one where he actually he casts like the like the real people in a situation. I don't know how that worked out though. But also, Clint well, Eastwood's been directing movies for like forty years. Well, kind of well, like that movie that yeah. Francis McDormand was in. Uh, what Nomadland? What Nomadland. Yeah, and I thought those. Yeah. I thought those people were. Well, in yeah, in the case of that and the Clint Eastwood one, you had yeah. the 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 people the the non actors that were in those movies were playing people that were very much themselves right. versus uh-huh. a non actor trying to be another thing. Like the park ranger probably wasn't actually a park ranger. No. <laughs> she may have been she's just not the worst is when you ever you ever do improv with someone who's never never done improv that's yeah. happened to me like maybe once the worst. and like somebody's like never done it oh the worst look out or you go no, you no, what happens you go an audition this is what used to happen i go an audition with somebody and they're not an improv person at all <gasps> and you've got to do it so mad and you've got to do an improv with them and I, they I had that once in a commercial because yeah. they do it a lot in commercial audition i don't know if they still do but they used to you know really love improv actors but the, it's one thing if you're being asked to improvise and it's like you and the the you know, whoever's running the camera or whatever, but it's another thing when they pair you up with a complete stranger and you don't know if they Mm -hmm. have any kind of level of improv skill and, and you go in there and like, they could steamroll you. They could be absolutely terrible and give you nothing, give give you nothing back. It's unfair to both sides, quite frankly. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I used to hate that at auditions and I also hate when people you're in a in a in like a pairing and the person pisses casting off mm-hmm. and then you're like god damn it because mm. I remember and this uh-huh. was, this was before COVID this was like right before COVID I went on an audition and I was paired with someone and we're getting ready to do the do the audition and he stuff and says you know my wife sells cookies and I brought you all cookies and it was for producers and they were pissed wait they make then they make cookies for the the guy. His producers. wife had like a cookie. His wife had a cookie company, and so he used the audition as a way to try to have a little commercial for his wife and her cookies. And, and that, for- I, I, I almost, I, I feel like in that case, like as you're walking out of the room, I would pull the casting director aside and say, "Look, I know I'm not getting this because of that guy, but can you please keep me in mind for future stuff?" Because that was right. not fair to me. Lose. Right. Because yeah, can, like like that guy ruined your shot. Yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, totally. And yeah. and 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 it was like one of these things. Like you, the producers didn't say anything, but you could tell. Like I just felt like the wall go. <laughs> I was like, well, guess I'm not booking this. <laughs> they threw out the baby with the bathwater. And then, <laughs> especially <laughs> if some strange, crazy person is giving you cookies. You're not going to yeah. eat them. No. You know these people are not going to eat the cookies. No. Well, I would. Never. We, we <laughs> know you would, but Kurt, but seriously, don't ever eat the cookies from the people you don't know. Oh, you're probably that, right. That was like the Kurt's first like, thing I'll... I learned when I worked at radio is don't ever you're eat right. food from listeners. Ooh, why? What? They, like, did you get like some shitty food? No. No, it, it's, it, it's, it's, even if it's, if made and sent to you with the best intentions, you just don't know. You just don't know, right. so you just avoid it. 
I wouldn't eat stuff in the mail. No, not from a well, even if they bring it to like a, an event that you're at, they're like, "Oh, I made you something." It's like, "Oh, thanks." And at this point, I watched way too many Lifetime movies to take food from a stranger. <laughs> oh, so anyway, Kevin Nealon, Uncle Uncle Dave, so. The movie theater was called the Madison, right? And yeah. Uncle Dave, mm-hmm. in this version of the movie, explained why the why the theater was called the Madison. Because and Ashley Madison was a huge sponsor yes. of the theater, right? <laughs> <laughs> this Hallmark movie is all about cheating on your spouse. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, and so basically, yes. and they called it the Madison because he called uh, after his grandfather Madison. So the story was not that, like, it didn't blow my skirt up or anything. Um, so, is, so, is that one of the details from the first movie that you really felt like, this is a question that's unanswered. I hope they answer it in the second movie. Right. Why is it named the Madison? <laughs> Oh, so so then, you know, in the flashback scene, it basically was about the sisters relying on each other. And so after Meg's flashback, she has a bright idea. I'm going to go to the city. Well, she's spacey. She's all over the place. Right. Because it's just it's a little hard sometimes. No stability. Yeah, she goes. She goes to the city. She goes into the store and like knocks shit off of the counter. A figurine. And she knocks off the counter, and all of a sudden, Joe, the manager of the restaurant from the last movie, catches it. So that was one detail that I thought was interesting, that she and Joe actually knew each other before she showed up in the yeah. first one. Yeah. And we, we find out that she plays the tuba. Mm-hmm. And every year, which... which in the first one, they talked about they went to the tuba concert in the first one. Yeah, but in this one, they showed more of Meg in the tuba concert, and then she runs into her sister Jen from the first movie. They go to Jen's restaurant, and then in the last movie, they did this whole big thing about Christmas ornaments and and how like they would have to. They were given a Christmas ornament and they had to give like a little monologue about it before they put it on the tree. Mm-hmm. In yeah. this one, Jen is talking to Meg about how, oh, I got mom a Christmas ornament for Christmas. So, oh, oh and then mom, the mom, her big deal was she wanted ornaments from the, ten, the 12 days of Christmas, which that wasn't mentioned in the first one. I was vaguely interested in where she bought that crap. I wasn't. Right. I'm probably reason, at a Hallmark yeah. store. Just going out was, of the limb here. I didn't know I was interested in that until she actually saw her buying it. I said, oh. That puts those two Legos together in my head. And, and, and then so, and then so, um, you know, then Joe walks in. Joe and Meg have a moment. And then Jen is like, oh, my gosh, you two know each other? Which we didn't know in the first movie as well. Kind Do you of. think there's there's a you know like uh, with see Marvel and and Star Wars and stuff like that? There are f- <laughs> super fans that 
really, really dig into the minutia of the movie and try and find Easter eggs. Do you think there are, are Hallmark fans that are taking this shit so seriously that they're trying to piece together like a, some sort of very cryptic puzzle? I hope. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I would, would not probably be surprised. I would legitimately love to know if that's a real thing. I would not be surprised. They're the same people who are obsessed with Josh Groban. They're out there. Uh, oh, so then this next part, Kurt, I'm sure you enjoyed because they were eating dessert and it was a shervil. Well, I didn't get to eat any. What's it called? A wow. shervil? Yeah, it was called shervil or something. What's a shervil? Some kind of dessert that they were eating. <laughs> I don't know what a shervil is. I don't remember being excited about it. I know they make cookies, and I was it was okay. Well, we'll we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. So so then Jen is telling Meg how she loves living in Salt Lake City because it's just the most happening place in the United States. And then once again, um, they talk about Meg going to France. And Meg is like saying that you know she needed to make some big decisions in life. And Jen also needed to make some big decisions to, to in life. And so they decided to have some distance. And, and then... Meg, Meg has the luxury of choices. Yes. So then, this is where it gets a little interesting. Because the waiter in the first movie that didn't say a lot all of a sudden in this movie has a whole storyline and yeah. he decides to go, he goes and gets some Christmas tapas and the guy who's making the Christmas tapas who w was in the first movie for like two seconds, all of a sudden we find out that him and the waiter have a little flirtation going on. I wonder, if anybody, I, was like, I wonder if anybody was watching these movies in the Bible Belt felt like they were sideswiped. I don't know why I was watching gay people in that other movie. I actually thought of that, too, because in this second movie, when it was revealed that, oh, the, the host of the restaurant is gay, and so is the topless guy, and there's a thing happening there, it's like, oh, I legit didn't see that coming. Right? Well, but it is the city. So Get the kids out of the room. Turns out a couple of people are gay. They're, they're, they're putting their city ways on us. Salt I mean, Lake City ways. You're joking, Kurt, but that's a real thing. I there, know. I'm sure there are people <laughs> that, that had that reaction. It's horrible, but the people there probably are people who have that reaction. Yeah. But I will oh, well. say kudos to Hallmark for putting these characters in the movie and not making a big deal out of it, not making a press release right. out of it. Just It just happens to be these two people happen to be gay. Big deal. Right. Right, and I love that, you know, they later show them dating and having fun, and it we was see no a kiss. big deal. We see a kiss. Yeah. They do. They've really gone all the way. And oh, my, no. thought was a, my thought was, wait a minute. I never thought of Salt Lake City as being that progressive, but I guess we're wrong. I think people offended by that, they'd be turning this movie off pretty quick. I think they have a couple problems. <laughs> Get it off! Unplug it! <laughs> right. So, 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 then, so then this is the part where Jen decides that she's going to go home 
to the country and Meg decides that she's going to stay in the city. And they tell Meg or someone tell it was, was it Meg? The one that's like, don't forget to go to the Christmas market. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I think Jen told I, Meg to go check it out. Right. Yeah. But, and that prepared me because I was telling you guys before we started recording that I went to a Christmas market last night. And in that, Hallmark, in that area in Brussels, where I've been, what's the name of that, that area? Because I've walked around there. It's like this, it was like this, this, the, what is it? My friend is getting married there tomorrow. Beautiful. Um, yeah, like the big castle and all that. My friend, that's where my friend's getting married. Yeah. Um, what is it called? I, what is it called? I don't know. I forget what the area is. Something square or something, but it's really yeah. beautiful. Oh, and, and so one of, the, one of the funny things, though, is that the Christmas markets on the Hallmark movies always, to me, looked far-fetched. I look at them. Well, they're not. Okay. <laughs> because the real Christmas market made the Hallmark Christmas markets that used to look far-fetched, they made them look kind of shitty. <laughs> So it's like, oh. So so Jen, so Meg goes to the Christmas market. Okay, and it's, it's, it's like it's the Grand Place. Is that right? Oh, the Grand Place. The Grand Place. Grand Place. Yeah. So so my friend is getting. It's going to be. And so because of COVID, it's like there was only like sixteen people allowed at the ceremony. So, but then they're going to have a big party tomorrow. there. But yeah, it's beautiful it's though. there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, oh, 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 anyway, so Meg is at the Christmas mark, market. She runs into Joe. Joe thinks he's buying mistletoe, but it's actually holly. No, it's the other way around. He <laughs> thinks he's buying holly, but it's actually mistletoe. But wasn't that mistletoe? It was pretty big. I've never seen mistletoe that big. Well, I think it was like a string. It was like a garland of it because it's it's just plants, right? Because um, Meg points out that Holly has like the little red berries. And this didn't have the ah. red berries. Ah. So so then they're talking about the party coming up, and they're talking about how you need to have a photo booth at this party, you know. Um. So then we meet Victoria. But Victoria wasn't in it very long. And what was the use of Victoria? Um, Victoria. Is Victor- was isn't Victoria the, the, the woman from the town? Oh, she's the town the busybody. You're talking about the woman. Oh, 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 oh wait, no, I got my notes mixed up. Because okay. I put the town the- busybody body and then... Um, and then Victoria was, because I put, the town busybody said, I'm cheerfully helpful. But I put it in the same sentence that mentioned Victoria. But Victoria was the head chef who didn't have a big part in the first one. But in the second one, it turns out that she's Jen's friend from college. And Jen gave her a job as head chef when she started her restaurant. Yeah. I, Victoria is a terrible human being. And here's where I'm going with it. Because, so Victoria (laughs) is the head chef at this restaurant already. And she's hired by her very good friend. 
And because her very good friend is a very good friend, she's like, hey, you know, this other offer that came along, you should seriously consider that. And not only does Victoria take it and leave right in the middle of them planning this big fucking party, also her sister's having triplet shows. She has to leave immediately, can't even give notice. And I think, like, it's one thing to leave a job if you're on shitty terms with them, but if you're on good terms with them, like, at least give them a nice, like, padding of time before you jet the fuck out of there. But weren't the triplets premature? Uh, even if they were, why did it wasn't like she was the, 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 the midwife. It wasn't like she needed to be there in that moment. Like the sister had the triplet. She's like, yeah, I'm leaving in two days. I'm like, if it was an emergency, you would have left right now. Is she leaving? Cause she, is she working for her sister? Or no, no. She got another job at some other restaurant. So she's I thought it was going to somehow. another cooking yeah. job at another place. Place. So leaving her friend at in this nice restaurant at this very busy time with this very big event coming up. Yeah, that is shitty. You're right. Yeah. That See, I shitty. thought I actually thought that that the triplets were sort of connected to her job. Like her job involved her sister. The sister was having the triplets, so the sister had to step out and she had to like replace the sister. But I don't yeah. know why I thought that. No. Yeah. Anyway, Kurt, this next but part people, I thought about you. The people pussy out there like they don't give her a piece of their mind they're like oh okay that's great no they do the opposite actually i mean i think it's yeah, okay so- to be like oh you know it's time for you to move on that that's great we understand that you 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 know there's things you want to do to further your career but like at the very least be like hey can you at least hang out through the party right this giant party that can make or break this business she knows she can walk all over them yeah. so she's doing it yeah. And then they give her a fucking going Kurt. away party too. Right. She fucks them all over, over and then they, they celebrate it. A she should have skipped it. They threw her a good going away party too. These people have a lot of time on their hands, by the way. This this J- Joe runs a restaurant. Is also he's planning parties. He's working like at this. He's volunteering and Jesus, Joe. Because yeah. that's what life is like in the big city. City. Please teach me your time management. Yeah, seriously, because so, manager restaurant is no joke. Right. No, really. So, Kurt, they had a cookie montage. What did you think? I thought it was very unrealistic. Every single <gasps> person was incredibly skilled at making cookies. You know, trust was, me, some of those people would not would not be making such beautiful cookies. What did you Hallmark. think of this restaurant's policy to give a, uh, free cookies with every order? That sounds good. I don't know if that's going to work out for the, the restaurant. They could probably easily sell cookies. But sure, I'd, I'd be up for it. I'd, I'd eat the cookies. I think it's a nice Whoa. gimmick. You just mark up the food a little bit more so it kind of covers the cost in, like, baked in. Pardon the yeah, and you do it just around the holidays or something like yeah. that, sure. Or that could be a gimmick. Yeah. There you go. So then our C storyline is introduced, which is Meg befriends Frank. Frank and she's talking to Frank and Joe gets pissed at her for talking to Frank because he's like, leave Frank alone. Maybe Frank just wants to eat alone. Even though Frank was very friendly to her and you could tell that Frank was enjoying the company. So I don't know what was up Joe's butt. Yeah, but what happened, what was going on here is that you know, a lot of restaurants, they don't like when people sit there and eat alone. They think it looks depressing. They put those people way in the back 
I've gone to restaurants where I eat, I, I would just like a diner or something like that, just to like eat by myself. And they put me like, they'll put me way in the back. And then I'll go in the same restaurant. I'll go in there with like an attractive woman and they put us right in the front. Like we're like the showpiece of the restaurant. Yeah. Wow. It, it's happened. So you were the one to lure people in. Cause they uh, go, when I'm by hey, myself, there's Kirk, there's Kirk Fitzpatrick. Oh and no, no, no. When I'm by myself, there's not, a, there's not a lot of, there's apparently not a lot of value. <laughs> I'm putting it in the back. I, when I come in there with an, an uh, attractive woman, that's it. My value goes sky high. Wasn't that a plot on um, Ted Lasso this season? I never watched Ted Lasso, so I have to, have to watch you it. You need to watch Ted Lasso. Yeah. It is so good. They, they stole my life. That's exactly right. Well, you need a big mustache, though. Okay. Because Ted Lasso has a big mustache. Oh, okay. So then we find I have my out, so, screener from last year, so I'll watch it. So in the last movie, they were really into this contest, and the contest was to win $25,000 for the charity of their choice. And I wondered, why are they so, like, going, like, riding hard for this contest when they aren't going to get the money? But then in this one, you find out, that the charity is actually the food bank where Joe volunteers and he's friendly with the woman at the food bank. And that's why he wants to do it because he wants to improve the food bank. $25,000. Yeah. Yeah. For the food. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm just wondering how, how far they're going to go with their renovations with $25,000. Well, like it's a, it's a, uh, well, I mean, granted, they had some elaborate plans for this food bank, but it generally like a food bank is like a warehouse and a lot of shelves at the end of the day. Yeah, but she's turning. She wants to turn it into like a food store, like a free food store. Yeah, right. So that people can pick whatever they want. But again, isn't that just shelves? So. Yeah, well, we, so. know some, we, Kurt, we know someone who actually kind of has a food bank. We do. We yeah, can say her name. Susan, she's a public figure. Friend. Oh, that's right, because she won an award for it. Yeah, Susan Thompson Gaines. There, she, there you go. Yeah, how, how, how does she Gaines. kind of have she a food bank? It, well, because it's like in her, is it in her house or it's in, yeah, like, she's it's got in her a, house? She lives right outside of Washington, D.C., and she has a, yeah, she has a food pantry at her house. So, so people stop by and they pick up some food and like she'll, if she sees the person outside, she'll like, run out and see if there's anything else uh, else that they want because she also has stuff inside her, her house that she can give away. And nice. yeah, she's always doing good things. And she won like a humanitarian award for it. Yeah, she was on CBS News. She was in People Magazine. I had right? an issue. Hi, Susan Gaines. She listens to us sometimes. <laughs> oh. Well, here we go. Her celebrity is just, is just growing now that we, right. we mentioned her. Is she, in, is she in Virginia by chance? Yes. yes. The yeah, only reason yeah. to ask is right before we started recording today, I, I didn't realize that in our like analytics of who listens, we can narrow it down by state. And our like the most listeners we have is in California, which makes sense because Les and I are there and have a lot of friends uh, that live in California. But the next, like the number two amount of listeners we have, uh, or at least on the last podcast, was out of Virginia. Oh. Yeah, yeah, she does. She lives in Virginia. She does. So hi, Susan. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. <laughs> That's funny. Hi, Susan. Hi, Susan. Oh, 
So Frank the Loner. We were at Frank the Loner who depressingly sits there and eats there every single day. But Frank was actually looked like he was enjoying the conversation. So I don't know what was at Joe's butt because Frank looked fine. And Frank looked like the type of person that if Meg was bugging him, he'd be like, get out of here. And he did not. Yeah. I I took it as it wasn't that uh, Joe was worried that she was bugging Frank. I think he thought that. Uh, that Frank just, um, what am I trying to say? That Frank was like humoring her a bit and like, you know, he, he didn't really want her to fix all his problems. Well, we'll get into that later. Yeah. Lots to unpack here. So then, so then meanwhile, our host asks for the night off because he's going on a date. With the the street tapas man, Ooh. and Meg is like encouraging him to get some of that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she is. the The pace of this movie was a lot faster than the first one. Did you notice that? Well, because it's the city, Jason. It wasn't because it was the city. It's because they were having to re-explain a lot of shit from the first movie. So there was a ton of exposition they were trying to cram in. So it was moving very fast. Yeah. Um, so, so then Joe and Meg go shopping and we find out that Joe is, you know, the hallmark trope of I'm from a family that really didn't make a big deal about Christmas. And my and what we did during Christmas is we would go and we would go and go to a food like a soup kitchen and help out and hand out meals. So that's what he. So for him, Christmas was about community. And so then Meg has some ideas because she's a Hallmark heroine and they always have ideas. And then she was very pushy. She just kind of rolls in there, and this guy's the manager left in charge of. uh, what's the other sister's name? Jen. Jen, you know, he's managing Jen's business. And Meg just takes over and just starts telling him what to do and giving him all these ideas. And he's just way too okay with it. He's probably like tuning her out. Yeah. But at Everybody's the very least. Nice in this movie to the point of pushovers. Yeah. Like, wouldn't if you were Joe in that scenario, even if you fully understand that, hey, this is Jen's sister and she's got some sway here, would you be that okay with somebody coming in and calling all the shots when that's technically your job? Nope. No. But he kind of had the hots for her, too. So that's why he gave her. Oh, see, that's where you got to be careful. Because he had the hots for her. your mind. He was, he was, you know, not stigmatized, but yeah, I was trying to think what would be the other word. He he wants to put it, put it in her tuba. He wants to put it right. In her tuba. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, can't fault him for that. It happens to the best of us. Oh, so we see Frank, and so it's like a few days later. Frank is talking to Meg. And Frank just starts unloading on her, his issues and his sadness. And we find out that he and the daughter, his daughter, have like a, a, a schism going. They're not getting along. Now, we never find out why they're not getting along. 
But whatever it is, the daughter sure is pissed. This was certainly the most family strife that's ever been portrayed in a Hallmark movie. Because it was heavily implied that they were like estranged for quite a while. But we never find out why. Shirley Schism ran for president years ago. But I'll tell you this. This woman should not... (laughs) Shirley Schism. This woman shouldn't... Mind your own damn business. Yes. Because these, yeah, anyway, you'll you'll see what happens here. So so then, um, oh, so, oh, so then they're, they, they, they're going to the food bank and our, our gay host invited the gay tapas guy to the food date, food bank on a date. What if someone invited you on a date to a food bank? Hey, you want to go check out the food bank? I'd like it. I actually thought we'll it was ahead. nice, you know, especially in the, the the world of these Hallmark movies where, you know, they're, they're, the big message in a lot of them is about service and being able to, like, give to the community. I thought it was nice that, like, that's just something that was matter of fact to both of them. Right. Plus, right. it's cheaper than going to a restaurant. <laughs> Yeah, and they and there's food. What a date! True. Yeah. Now, do you get Do you get to eat at the food bank like when you're done serving? No, I don't. I, I, I would imagine <laughs> in a case where there's food that's going to go bad, and if you've been working Maybe. all day, they're probably like, "Yeah, hit, take some food because like we've got some left over." But I I would think generally like they probably don't want you taking cans there because those are for people that are in need. I right. I volunteered not at a food bank, but I volunteered where we're like putting food together and we bring it to elderly mm-hmm. people. And I didn't eat any of the, the, the food, but it was cool seeing some of the elderly people's homes because some of them were like they were frozen in time from like 1981. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. how funny! <laughs> oh, anyway. how funny! So, so. Then, you know, they, they go Christmas tree shopping, of course, because it's a Hallmark movie. All the time. Then Joe and Meg are making wreaths. And then Jen calls Meg. And then, you know, Meg is like, everything's fine. And then Meg is talking to Victoria. And we find out that the party that they're going to have, they have seven days to get this party together for the, for the competition. Which we didn't know in the first movie that it was like that there was such a time limit there. Um, Having worked in uh, like worked for a business or businesses that plan events and also having worked in restaurants, I don't think that's that difficult to put together when you're actually the restaurant. Like, right, you've got the space, you've got the food, you've got the staff. Now it's just a matter of figure out the menu and let's hang some decorations. Right. No, you're right. Oh, so, so then Frank comes back and Frank is like telling Meg more of his issues. And I guess he says that he was too strict on his daughter. And that was like one of the problems. And then Joe overhears this and Joe's like, okay, Meg, so people just tell you things, huh? And it's, you know, Meg is a friendly person. So, so then Meg gets a harebrained scheme. She wants to reunite Frank and his daughter. Bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah. Mind your own business. You got enough problems. And, and so 
So then they go back to the Christmas market, and Meg is looking for a Christmas gift for her mother, Charlene, from another world. And then we find out that Meg, like, they're talking about the opening of the theater, which is what they were planning in the last movie. And Meg talks about how it's just too soon and she doesn't want to go just because it's going to, you know, she's still grieving her uncle. And so it's just too soon for her. By the way, there's a huge, I think there's a huge legal problem with this movie. Um, years ago, the studios were not allowed to own movie theaters. They had to, they had to break up the, the monopolies. And in this movie, they own the movie theater and they show their own produced home movies. I want legal action against these people. Those monopolies were broken up years ago. Well, they didn't show a good movie. <laughs> doesn't matter. That won't stand up in court. I'm taking this to the Supreme Court. And I also don't know so if that rule still exists. I, I don't know if that rule still exists. I think that uh, a studio yeah. may be able to own a movie theater now, but uh, it's you know they'd rather just people watch it at home and stream it and pay them that way. Yeah. So, so, then, so then Meg is talking to Frank some more, and then she takes a pic of Frank, and I guess she posts it somewhere. She, there's some newsletter from the food bank, I think. Which, that was kind of a violation of Frank's privacy. Well, Frank agreed to it, I think. Yeah, it was a posed photo. He knew he was in it. Ah. Yeah, so I was watching this movie at like 5 o'clock in the morning before I was going to catch a flight. So oh, I was okay. a little hazy. I'm not sure why she thought Frank was such a great cover boy for this cause, but... Well, this was also to get his face out there so just possibly get him noticed by his daughter. Yeah, um, But I don't think I don't think she let him know that's what she was doing. Did she? I don't think so. I think she just made it seem like, oh, we just want a photo of you for our newsletter. Like, you're you're so nice and you're, you're like our latest volunteer helping out. Because I think it was also implied that he was fairly successful in whatever it was he does. Right. Right. Um, so Victoria and, and Meg are on a walk and they're talking about Uncle Dave and then Victoria gets a phone call where she's informed that she got the job and then this is where she drops the bomb about the triplets and how she has to go tomorrow. You dropped a bomb on me. And so all of a sudden this restaurant has no chef. This booming restaurant has no chef. I'm thinking of a poor woman who's pregnant with triplets, man. That's got to be a tough haul. Oh, I'm sure. Jesus. I mean, because I, I, mean, I guess I won't I, be experiencing that. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, my friends who have had one baby have yeah. talked about how rough pregnancy can be. Man. Well, that's the next movie, though. It's going to be three instead of two sisters. It's going to be three sisters. We're going to have a three-part movie. Years ago, there was like some. There were like triplet actresses. Probably. I don't know what show that was. It was like three. It's about triplets. Well, also, was it what was that um, documentary about those the three brothers? Where they were they, separated? They were separated as like a social experiment and yeah. they the the families didn't know about it. 
Oh, I saw that movie. Yeah. It's called the Three, Ident- Three Identical, identical Strangers. strangers. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a very good movie. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was crazy. that was bad. I think separating less and I know, well, I don't want to get into this, but the but the adoption agency that's in that movie, that the shady adoption agency, we know somebody who came out of that adoption agency. Oh, yeah, I think you've mentioned that on the show before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we I'm like, yeah, she, uh, she, she made public about it. But okay, no, no, we'll, we'll leave it. I'm like, yeah, we don't want to yeah, get in trouble. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So then we find out, though, that uh, the party, they actually have like oversold it or like over invited yeah, Too many RCPs. They certainly oversold it. Like, like they sent the, like they didn't expect everybody to want to go and everybody wants to go, which is a good thing, I guess. You know, everybody wants to come to your party. But if you're doing a party, like you don't, it's not like a, a ticketed event with seats where you need to be super concerned about, do we have enough seats? If it's like a, a party where there's people going to be standing and sitting, you can, you can oversell yeah. it because not everyone's oh. going to show up. Right, but then I guess for this, everybody is showing up. <laughs> well, so they say, no. just because they RSVP doesn't mean they're actually going. That is true. That is very true. They better. Especially when like you have friends that are having these parties, and then they start like bugging at you and bitching at you, everybody to RSVP, and they send that email that's bitching at you, and so you just RSVP just to get them off your back. Yeah, this is true. Not that I've done that or anything. No, if somebody's <laughs> uh, if somebody's bugging me and I'm I'm leaning towards not going, that's the like oh, I'm definitely not going now. And then I just say, oh, sorry, can't make it. See, I leave my options open just in case the party is going to be good. But you don't know. Sometimes, well, you know, you have a friend go earlier, and then they text you and they tell you, oh, this is really good, and then you show up. Oh, okay. Yeah, tricks. What's Hollywood tricks? <laughs> I used to do evites. Remember there was like an evite? Mm-hmm. Been out of the loop. I just got an evite for something the other day, which I forgot to to RSVP for, but I had a good reason for not going because I'm in Brussels. <laughs> so I'm not going to be able to make it to your party. Sorry. Jesus. This is about now. <laughs> I'm sorry. What were you saying? Oh, no, go ahead. I, I, oh, no, I was going to say, it's about, about the point in the movie where we see Meg's home, which I was blown away by this. Where is she getting her money? No, it was Jen's home. Yeah, she's at Jen's. Oh. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was Jen's What does home. Meg have to offer? She's, she's all spacey. I think she have money? I don't know what's going on here. Because Jen's restaurant, it was, a ni- it was a nice restaurant. Yeah. And it looked like it was doing well. Which is which is an odd thing for a Hallmark movie restaurant because normally they're like on the skids and ready to go bust. And I, Jen's restaurant looked like it was thriving. I love Jen's house yeah. too. Yeah, it's a very modern looking house for uh, you know. Normally Hallmark likes their houses to look real cozy. This is very like angular. It looks really cool. Well, because she's in the city, Jason. <laughs> it's a, it was a city house. It was nice. Um, oh, so they were like, uh, they were like, should we? We need to call Jen and let her know about 
Victoria quitting. And then Meg was like, well, let's wait because the movie, the theater's opening tonight. So let's hold off on calling her. Even though Joe was like, I think we should call her now. And Meg's like, no, no, no. Don't bugger. And, but then, oh, wait, wait, wait. This is where we find oh, out oh. Joe has an inside line on some Michelin star chef named Jesse something. Jesse yes. Collins. Yes. And then, um, and then after that, they get a very angry phone call from Jen because Jen's like, you assholes. Victoria called me and told me that she's quitting. Why didn't you tell me, you dicks? And again, Victoria, like asshole that's quitting last minute and leaving him in a lurch when her sister already had the kids. Now she's also throwing uh, Meg and Joe under the bus. Under the bus. Victoria is the villain of this movie. Wow. Oh. So so then the food bank lady is like, hey, you guys are oversold. You you have too many RSVPs. Why don't you come to the food pan the food warehouse and have the party here? Boom. And which would be which is cool because the money, if they win, it's going to them anyway. Yeah, in concept, that's nice, but I feel like that's way more work because now you've got to bring all this like catering gear over there and you've got to lug all the food and everything you've prepped to this other location. Right. That's true. That's true. Because that because, yeah, they didn't I, I'm sure they didn't have like the state of the art kitchen that they needed yeah. to make. all. This and stuff. like all and, of the tables and chairs and place settings and everything. And, and Jen's restaurant was like a very modern restaurant. Yeah, it too. looked bigger than the food bank. Why are they having a party? I've lost track. Oh, there's some contest. Oh, because it's a contest. It's oh, a contest. contest. And oh, if okay. they win, they win $25,000 for the charity of their choice. And he's gonna, Joe's going to give it to the food bank lady. So that's so why the food rest- bank lady right. is like, I'd be happy to help because this money's coming to me anyway. So, so a restaurant has to hold a party. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was a contest amongst restaurants in the city. And they narrowed it down to three finalists. Oh, so then this woman shows up at the restaurant and she's like, um, excuse me? I received a weird invitation from this restaurant. And it turns out that it's Frank's daughter. And Meg sent her an invitation. And... Frank's daughter is pissed because she was like, you, you know, you set me up. Well, she basically comes and realizes why she's there. And she immediately is like, nope, see ya," And gets out. Of right. Like, oh, Frank's coming right now. Oh, yeah. Then I'm leaving. And, and but then that, did like, that make well, any sense to you? Because it's like, well, she showed up because she saw Frank's photo in the newsletter. But then immediately is like, I don't want to see this person that I just sought you out to come see. Well, maybe she wasn't mentally prepared. Clearly. Maybe she's cold <laughs> speed. Maybe she's oh, not and, well. But, but then Meg's like, Meg's like, I don't want Frank to spend Christmas alone. 
and then this is the part. Yeah, Victoria quits. It, it, you know, she leaves them in a lurch, and they throw her a party. Yeah, a good party. Yeah, and then we find out that Jesse Collins turned them down for the job. But Jesse Collins, if he was supposed to be the star chef, I'm sure that he was happy where he was, and they probably couldn't match what he was getting paid. Yeah. He looked douchey anyway. Oh, he totally did. <laughs> so, so then, once again, they talk more about building community and... Um, you know, Meg's like, my dad said, if you build a community, the people would, will gather. And then Meg was like, she was going to go back to the, to the country for the uh, Christmas tree lighting. But she said that she was going to cancel it. And Joe's like, well, no, let's not cancel it. And then she goes to the country and takes Joe with her. Yeah. And they stop at some like random restaurant. And they, to ask some friend of Joe's, maybe an ex or something, to come be the temporary chef. But they, like, right, show yeah. up in the middle of lunch, and she's like, uh, you know, hey, fuckos, it's lunch rush right now. Maybe, like, go away for a yeah. bit so like, I can, right. like, you know, actually this feed is, these people. This is called a job. I don't know what, I don't know how you're working your job, Joe, but it, well, I actually have to do work. But I did get the impression <laughs> that she had, I got the impression that she had, Polished his nub at some point. I, yeah, I think they had some kind of history there. Yeah, yeah. polished yeah. his nub. <laughs> he's he's seen the inside of her tuba too. Yeah, I, I feel like you know she had uh, gone there. Yeah, she's a very very attractive, busy woman. She yeah. makes lots of lunches. Joe had great teeth. He did. He okay. had a great. He had, I agree. He had good chompers. Yeah. So, so Meg and Joe go to Hazelwood. They go to the theater. Well, wait. First of all, they go and they they like th this whole scene of meeting this woman. She tells him to get lost, and they go for like a bad green screen horse drawn carriage ride. They well, discuss the concept do. of dating each other. Then go back, and the chick immediately turns him down. There was no reason whatsoever to have that character or that scene in the movie. Because they well, went and said, can you do it? Probably, she immediately was like, nope. In fairness to her, she was probably like, they came in during her shift, and she was like, okay, you got to go. And then the more she did her shift, the more angry she got. Because oh, yeah. if, Kurt's, if Kurt's hypothesis is right, she's like, that motherfucker dumped me and now he's coming into my restaurant during lunch rush for me to go and be a chef at his new restaurant screw him hell no right but i'm just talking in terms of the mechanics of this movie in a in a movie where they're trying to squeeze in so much exposition anyway they just introduced a completely unnecessary character and got rid of her as quickly as they introduced her and they, a lot of people are turning down this restaurant. I don't know if it has a bad reputation among oh, the chefs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe they know weird, something like, we don't. Maybe there's like a, you know, the Department of Health got involved. Because a lot of people were like, uh, thanks, but no thanks. When it looks like a decent restaurant, actually. They like where they are. It's weird they have an hour to 
kill. Let's hop on a horse and carriage. Well, that'll kill an hour. Got to keep yourself occupied. I guess you do. Keep things interesting. I am. I am wasting my own time playing Candy Crush. I could be getting drawn around the city on a horse. Right, riding around some horse. They did buy a bunch of caramel apples. Right now, Kurt, what do you think of the caramel apples? Do you like caramel apples? That's a, that's a tough one. I have had a caramel apple. You know, I did have one one time. It was like a half-price caramel apple because it was a couple of days old. And I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Wait, a half-price? <laughs> yeah, it was this bakery in my, my old neighborhood in uh, Brooklyn. And they would sell, like, you know, stuff that was, like, a day old. And I was always coming and get stuff. One time I got a caramel apple. I was pleasantly surprised. You're like, oh, this day-old caramel apple wasn't bad. bad. But I don't know how that would be your specialty. I can't imagine it being too difficult to make a caramel apple. Well, you know, we used to make caramel apples at home. Anyway, so, so Joe and Meg show up, and they show up at the part where in the first movie, the dad is in band, which we didn't know that the dad had, like, musical talent. But the dad's in the band... Joe and Meg are watching Dad. We saw that in the Joe first one. We saw that Cialis right. commercial last time around. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right, because you did call it the Cialis commercial. Yeah. Um, um, so Joe and Meg almost kiss. Mm-hmm. Then Jen is livid. At least someone has spine. Jen is livid because Jen, Jen, Jen is like, you two left my restaurant to come back here when there's no chef there, you idiots. I'm going back to the city right now. And so Jen goes back to the city. And then we get to this, they go through all the city stuff. And then, um, well, no, they don't, before they go, uh, Simon, Jen's son is like, I'm staying in the country. And what we didn't know in the first movie was when Simon was telling his mother this, because this was a scene in the first movie, we didn't know that Meg was hiding out and listening to the whole conversation. Snooping, Les, you must love that. I do love snooping, of course. But it seemed like it was lame snooping, because it was like snooping without a purpose. Yeah, I don't even remember she was in that scene or not last time. <laughs> name, no a, name of your how-to book list needs to be snooping with purpose. Right? No, it's true. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry, what? Oh, no, I said she, I just said she wasn't prepared to snoop. She didn't like set out to snoop, I don't think. Oh, so then we find out that Joe slept on the couch. That's lame. Charlene from another world and the dad liked Joe. And they, and Meg is still like torn about whether or not she wants to go to France. And Charlene from Another World is like, we'll do, you know, we'll support whatever you decide to do. And then Meg is like, well, at this point, I'm going back to the city. And then Joe didn't know that she was going to France. He was pissed. Yeah. But then Meg was like, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to go or not anyway. So that's why I didn't say anything. And then Meg, they're still looking for a chef. Meg has an idea. And we find out that Jen wrote an article about the gay 
street tapas guy. And I don't then, th- I don't think she wrote an article about him. I thought she wrote an article about the concept of you know involving your community and the community will come, which oh, was and okay. she made sure that it, Martin, the the tapas guy, got this article so he was already clued in to Jen's philosophy before he even met her. So then and so then when they show up, so when Meg and Joe show up with Jen, he's like, oh, my God, you're Jen, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. I read your article. It'd be like if I were introducing you to someone less and I told them he loves snooping, he loves soap operas, and he loves Hallmark movies. And then they came and they saw you and then they just started talking to you about those subjects. You'd be like, oh, my gosh, I think we're alike. Right. True. True. I'd be like, you like Sammy, too? Oh, and so then Jen orders everything, but then we saw this scene before, you know, she orders everything and she it. orders the red velvet donuts. Kurt, I'm sure you were happy. That, that sounds good. Yeah, but I'm going to be like 300 pounds if I keep eating all these sweets. And, and then, and then this is the part that wasn't typically an old Hallmark trope, but I do like it now. When Jen basically, when Jen turned to Megan, was like, "Are you and Joe screwing?" Pretty oh, <laughs> damn. She that blunt about it. She's like, "Are you just screwing?" And then Joe then is is starting to fess up for Matt to Meg that he wants to be with her, but she's going to Paris, and so that's just not going to work for him. Was this after and, Martin and Alex kissed? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Because that was when they were ice skating. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, it was ice skating. Yes, they went. They all went ice skating, and there was a game. Oh, wait, no, no, no. This was before the ice skating. Oh. I just looked at my notes. Because, um, because Jen gives Meg, like, a little pep talk. And, you know, um, she, and then she talks about, you know, Meg, I still know that you're grieving, and grief takes time, and it's not a linear thing. And you know, just be patient. You know, be good to yourself, and don't don't put pressure on yourself. And then the next scene, they all go ice skating because and the guys kiss, and they kiss. Yes, and um, then Joe once again has a talk with Meg, and he's like, you know, Meg, I know you're leaving, so. This isn't going to work. And, but then Meg was like, Joe, this had to do with the food bank, right? She's like, Joe, you were right. It's like about the food bank, right? I don't even know. Anyway. I checked out of this movie at this point. I'm trying to see. What does she say? She says he's right. He's right because, well, she says she's not, she's like, she's not sure what's next for her and, she wants something, and she's just she's 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 really unfocused. And then Frank's daughter shows up again. Yeah, and they're and well, they're like What doesn't go? Yeah, well. I don't know. What did he say to her that upset her? Because she's like, "You've never you you never change." She did he storm says, the fuck out of there, <laughs> and we have no idea what he said, and we have no idea why she was mad at him. Nina, they never told seen, us. Nina, I haven't seen you in a while. It looks like you put on a little weight uh, as you run, <laughs> runs that. You Something. never change. 
Yeah, he said something to her that was rude. I, I feel like in a Hallmark movie, to elicit that kind of reaction, he probably said something to her along the lines of, I don't like Christmas. Right. How dare you, you heathen? We're in Hallmark territory. She, throw, she throws mold wine in his face and storms out of there. I only decorate my house for five of the holidays a, a year. <gasps> you never change. So, so then they go back to Hazelwood. They go to the movie opening, which we've seen before. So there's a Monopoly problem I had. Was right. the movie in black and white in last week's movie? I think so. Okay, because like, they showed it in black like, and white, and I was like, I didn't out. remember it being in black and white in the other movie. Well, what happened, Jason, was a lot of people talked about this with Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, is when they saw that shower scene, it was so vivid that they remember it in color. So for you, oh. that scene was so vivid to you that you remember it in color. Yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly what happened. So, so then we find that the magazine canceled the everything. Oh, no. Well, there's a but, snowstorm. Yeah. Right. Well. But they don't care about anybody's safety. They had something anyway. And what else? It, it was a hit. Well, yeah. there's a snowstorm, and then they decide to move it to that, that like, art installation and invite the other two restaurants so they can all do it together. So they get one central location to have everyone risk danger to go eat their shitty food. And, they get the, and I've, I've been to Salt Lake City and like I've driven to like Salt Lake City to Park City and like you're spying around mountains and there's no, it's, 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 it's kind of, kind of dangerous and it's like her, her, her dad's in a wheelchair and I guess they have, they're, they're sliding him out through the ice. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about these people. And then what else happened? Then everything was happy. No stuff happens. And there's, there's. Oh well, then they're when they're at the. Uh, are we at the party now? Yeah, we're almost done. We are. Well, there's, there's a, there's a. They are going to do cookie decorating, which she was she had suggested before. There's a photo booth. They got a lot of montage opportunity out of that. And he says, "I think we'll make a great. We we make a great team." Yeah, and then Anna, the the food bank lady, like accidentally spills the beans that Joe ended up taking a full time gig with the food bank. So he's not even going to work at the restaurant anymore. But it's not a big deal because Meg's going to be there anyway. And now they can date without it being a conflict of interest. I don't think they were worried about that in this movie. (laughs) That works out well. They weren't about that. so they could totally get, whoa, no. Oh, one of the things that I liked, because we're almost mm-hmm. done, but I liked because they gave the gay tapas guy the job, but he and the host talked about, hey, you know, we're going to be seeing each other and working together. Is this going to be a problem? I actually liked that they had that discussion. Which, yeah. and they both decided, well, we're mature enough to, you know, be able to handle things. But I like that they I like that they brought it up. Yeah. Because normally in the Hallmark movie, it's like we're gonna work together and be happily ever after. And you know, in real life, that's not always the case when you work with someone you're dating. Oh, and this is another another Hallmark trope that we've seen in a few movies now is they haven't quite fully solved one of the problems of the movie. So then they just decide that one of the characters that's been in the movie the whole time, we're going to find out that they're rich and they're funding the project. 
So Frank oh, gets yeah. up on stage and is like, hey, you know, I'm going to that contest may be off, but I'm going to fully fund the food bank because da, 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 because my daughter. Yeah. Me. I know, but the daughter loved him at that point because it's Hallmark. Yeah, so she's like, uh, could you add me to the will? I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out with you now. No, but and, it's, uh, <laughs> and, and, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't know Frank was had those cash on him. So it worked out. Right. See, that's why you should always talk to your customers and be nice to them. Yeah. And so then as we knew already, they decided to switch and Meg and uh, Jen decided to go back and live in the country. And Meg decided to stay in the city. The end. Yeah. But I got to tell you something though. I was, I was actually turned on Uh-oh, by what? part in this movie. And I don't think that's ever happened in a Hallmark movie. Oh dear! <laughs> what part? I was legit. I was. I, I have to be honest with everybody. Where is the this audience? going, Kurt? Well, at the end of this movie, so they go in the photo booth, mm-hmm. and they kiss. But it's not just a kiss. She aggressively kisses, like she like grabs him and kisses mm-hmm. him. Yeah, I, I like that. That well, turned me on. I was. I was like, oh, I actually went back and watched that again. It's a new day on the Hallmark Channel. I like that. That's funny. So, you know, my opinion of the movie was I actually, you know, I did enjoy seeing the other point of view. They could have they could have showed them both in one night and had them back to back. And I think that would have worked out better. And cut a, and cut about a third of the exposition out because you wouldn't need it if, if you're watching them back to back. It could have been a three right. hour movie instead of two two hour movies. Right. Right. Exactly. And because the concept was cool. I, you know, and, and I did like, oh, well, you know, like I said earlier, I did like getting the explanations why certain people, why they were doing certain things. I guess it was an economical way to produce the movies. For so sure. It was ch- cheaper to do these two movies than two other movies. So, yeah. right. Well, did you guys like it on the whole or? <laughs> I liked the, I, the the two of them together collectively, individually. I could have done without the second movie. I didn't feel like like other than the gay couple being introduced. I did. I don't feel like we learned anything really new about these characters. I you know I could take it or leave. I'm 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 happy that they're being progressive with uh, things. True, that, I do that, like that. That's a good thing, but I could take or leave. Like these, these, these two particular movies. Uh, uh, you know, it is what it is. Well, anyway, <laughs> I think our next movie is going to be fun, which we now have to wait until I get back into the country to watch. Yeah. Because I tried, I tried to trick, you know, and and it didn't work out. So I have to wait to watch a very Salem Christmas. And I have to wait to watch the next few episodes of, and then it just happened or whatever. And oh. then just like that. And just like that. Yeah. yeah. You still committed to that, huh? I sure am. Carrie Bright. Well, wait, and Mr. Big is in yeah. trouble in real life. <laughs> oh, anyway, so if you, and just like that, if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on lesterkirkendallbarrett.com. 
Jason, how can we find you? Well, first of all, you should please give us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on. People have been finding us because of those reviews, so thank you. Uh, you can find all of us on Instagram at Lifetime of Hallmark Podcast, you know, Facebook. And you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Shot Jason. Kurt. Uh, nothing to promote, but I will say that uh, I did find out this week I am six months into remission. Yay! Yay! That's awesome. Very happy for you. So that's really, that's great news. Thank you. Yay! I'll be sticking around. Good. Good. I need someone to torment. (laughs) And with that, I guess that's it. So until next time, au revoir! And Merry Christmas! Oh, Merry Christmas! Yes! Bye. Bye.